Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Money Makes the World Go Round. Um, wanted to start off by saying sorry that there was no episode last week um, and also no video component um, for this episode as well. It's going to be uh, up front right away and kind of uh, deal with the elephant in the room for that one. Um, finding it very difficult to manage my time in terms of uh, my semester is winding down. So uh, I have finals in about two weeks. My professor for some reason decided to... <laughs> Give give us the the homework for the entire semester within the past couple of weeks. Um, so I, I, a lot of my time has been occupied over, over the weekends with, with doing my homework. So I apologize for that. Um, I I know that's just kind of on me for not having well uh, very good time management. Uh, definitely gonna work on that. Uh, but for sure, most likely for the still for the next maybe two or three weeks, it's just gonna be an audio uh, podcast. No no video component to it. Till I finish the semester, want to make sure I finish it off strong, doing pretty well right now, and want to kind of uh, increase my semester GPA uh, to hopefully apply for an MBA or a PhD later down the road. But right now, you know, really working on that. Uh, so again, apologize for that. Uh, this ep- episode should be relatively short. Um, not much happened in the market, uh, and um, it's sort of more of bigger global things kind of happen. So I'm going to walk through those things and kind of. What happened, uh, what's really been going on right now, I would say that's kind of related to the market, or I mean, it is correlated to it, uh, would be that Tesla has finally been approved to enter the S&P 500. Um, I can't remember the exact date in December, but uh, I mean, investors went crazy being an electric vehicle, uh, being the uh, automaker that's worth the most amount of money out of any out of anybody. And so investors went crazy. Um, they're really loving it and really excited to kind of see where where that takes Tesla and see uh, see what they do with that. Um, in terms of other news in, uh, for the market, uh, that's pretty big, I would say. Um, and a little bit concerning would be that the Treasury and the Federal Reserve kind of had a little uh, butting of heads on Thursday. Um, the Treasury uh, Secretary Steve uh, Munich wanted to stop the additional help for for um, for COVID relief. Uh, there's two acts that are in place that are kind of winding down here in December, and the big speculation is whether or not they will continue um, uh, or they would be stopped. And it seems like the Treasury wants to stop, but then he wanted to, um, I guess, in his defense, he wanted to set up a sort of meeting with someone. Um, and explain as to why, or not necessarily as to why, but that the Treasury and the U.S. government still has plenty of money to give out in case it's necessary. For some reason, they find it, um, I guess, better to not give out money. I, I don't know if it's in terms for inflation inflation or anything like that, but I, based on everything that I've read and every investor and uh, everybody who works in like finance and, uh, and understands the economy, it seems like everyone... Is in agreement that 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 in agreement that a stimulus check is needed and um, stimulus from the government is probably what's best for the economy. Um, and for some reason, the treasurer wants to go uh, it's, uh, wants to go a completely different way. Um, so really interested in terms of what that happens if the Federal Reserve actually lets it to happen. I know they don't um, control actual monetary policy that comes from Congress, so. Very interested to see who wins uh, this budding of heads. I uh, really hope that they don't stop and uh, we actually get a, a, a pretty, a, if anything, an increase for, for probably at least till the second quarter of, of 2021. Um, and the reason as to why kind of, if you guys haven't seen the news, uh, 
There is two companies right now, uh, really three, I guess, with a partnership with Pfizer and BioNTech um, with the vaccine. Now it's at 95%. So it went up from 90 to 95 for Pfizer and BioNTech. Um, they just recently also uh, it used, uh, not used, uh, they went to the FDA for emergency use usages. Um, so hopefully they can come in. Uh, apparently it still takes about uh, three weeks or so for the, for the FDA to go through the process and see if it's um, safe, uh, safe enough for it to be used for emergency purposes. Uh, this does not mean it's a widely available vaccine to everybody. Again, the key word here is emergencies. So it's probably going to be people who are actually very sick, probably the elderly who have a potential to actually die from COVID. Uh, it's most likely the people who would receive it first and then uh, down to the masses. The good thing also as well, though, is that uh, uh, Moderna as well has a 94.5% effective rate. Uh, between the combination of these two, it should help out about 20 million Americans. Uh, this should uh, help, you know, around maybe the first quarter or second quarter of 2021. Definitely don't think we'll have a vaccine ready uh, within a month or so. Uh, I, I feel like logistically that would be a nightmare and it'd be very crazy and they still have to go through the FDA process. So definitely probably more, I, I would say at least towards the end of January, uh, you know, with high hopes that that's when they will come. Um and in other news, uh, for in terms of the the market and new things that are coming to the market, uh, there's a couple more companies that are doing uh, initial public offerings or IPOs. Uh, some notable ones, uh, Wish. Um, they they seem to be a retail, an e-commerce uh, company that helps you sort of save money on your everyday purchases. Uh, I've never used it, so I'm not super familiar with it. Uh, the other two that I am kind of really looking into, me personally, uh, or two out of the three that I'm really looking in, uh, personally into in terms of investing would be Affirm. Uh, Affirm seems to be a lending company that uh, for, I would say it's better for, for bigger ticket prices um, that, that you're purchasing. So for example, their biggest uh, sort of partnership is with Peloton, which makes sense. They're probably, I mean, incredibly expensive bikes, so probably over $1,000. So it makes sense, you know, that something like that you, that you want to finance. But I also know that they're uh, in other e-commerce sites. So, I mean, sometimes you could probably buy like a $60 bed sheet and do monthly payments and stuff like that. Uh, I, I don't know what their interest or anything like that works. So I don't know if it's necessarily worth it to finance something that's so low. But uh, the biggest concern, um, I would say, with a firm going uh, public is also that Peloton is their... It, it, uh, accounts for 30% of their total revenue, which is a large portion. I mean, if you're a company like that, you don't want to necessarily put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, the big concern with it is that Peloton was a COVID winner. Uh, I mean, with most gyms closing and people still wanting to work out um, or having, you know, those new resolutions from just being at home and realizing that, you know, maybe a healthier uh, lifestyle would help. Um, so who knows in terms, you know, all of this correlated with the vaccine, you know, the vaccine uh, stops the spreading and uh, gives us immunity. It's going to be hard to see if Peloton will stay as strong as it is, uh, which will co directly affect how a firm does, especially being a lending company. I, I mean, a big ticket price definitely helps you, uh, gives you uh, I would say a quantity in your in your in your books, you know, in terms of the overall amount that you're lending out. 
Uh, so who knows if they're going to be successful if maybe they Peloton goes down and uh, uh, smaller amounts of money that are lended out and you know the profit the profitability of the company actually ends up working out. Uh, the second one is um, I I would say is Roblox. Uh, if you guys are not familiar, it's 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 a kids video game. Uh, the reason for this it's uh, my own little brother plays it. I mean, hours on end. He plays it religiously, almost kind of like, I, I would say my generation kind of played Call of Duty and Minecraft and all of those games. They, they He plays Roblox, all of his friends, they, they hang out and they play Roblox on their iPads instead of actually playing outside. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit ridiculous, but uh, it, they have been growing. Um, they are almost, I would say, a unicorn in a way that not only that they grow revenue, but they also grew percentage-wise, which makes a huge difference um, because that means they, they increase their users, but at the same time, they also incre- increase the revenue. Um, as of lately, they have earned $1.2 billion from selling virtual in-game currency. So if you guys are not familiar, they sell cards, almost like a gift card uh, thing that you could buy at most retail stores. I don't know if you can buy them online, uh, possibly also directly from the game. Uh, but it gives you in-game currency to buy stuff. Uh, this is not anything new. A bunch of video games do this and, uh, you know, a bunch of different things to customize uh, your characters. But also, uh, the really great thing about this, um, it's not necessarily uh, a SaaS company or a software company, but it does allow people to kind of uh, create that within their own uh, servers, uh, similar to Minecraft, where you can create your own world and kind of uh, go about that. Uh, so, and, and they also do pay those creators. So the people who uh, who create anything within the game also do get a portion of money. So I think that's a that's a great at um, avenue to create more revenue. If, um, you know, if it does continue to take off and 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 it does better and better and and it does become a little bit more of a software uh, company or a SaaS, it's definitely has a really great potential, I would say. So I'm definitely go- looking forward into reading the S1 paperwork for this. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, S1 is sort of the initial huge document that a company submits prior to going public. Usually this kind of goes to all of the different uh, investment banks that look at it. Um, usually there's like two or three um, really big investment banks that will take a larger portion of the of the common stocks that's going to be offered at the very beginning and then other smaller uh, tranches or portions of stocks get sold to different investment banks. I'm not exactly sure who's doing uh, Roblox, but like I said, I'm very interested to see how this goes. Um, the other third company that I'm also really looking forward to that is going to IPO, but I'm very skeptical on is Airbnb. Um, I'm sure most of us have, have used an Airbnb, have had a great experience or maybe a bad one. Uh, luckily, I've only had really great experiences with Airbnb. I mean, beautiful homes, beautiful people who host. Uh, so I, I, I think that's awesome that they're going public. The biggest concern though, I, I did read a little bit into their S1 paperwork, didn't finish it off, uh, but they've been losing money. <laughs> they've been losing money since they, uh, inception in, 20, in 2007. Um, they've never really been profitable. There could have been a chance. I, it was speculated in 2019. I forgot exactly what happened, but it was also one of their biggest losses in terms of money. Uh, I mean, 2020 with COVID, uh, you know, it's not... It's not surprisingly as to why they lost so much money. They did cut a bunch of, uh, they did cut some employees, bonuses, um, and then also their marketing spending. Uh, and 
that's one of the biggest things that they're kind of um, pointing out in their S1 that they say that will will increase the revenue is the investment that they do on host. Um, for for you guys who who haven't read into an S1, it usually gives you sort of a couple risk factors. It gives you in terms of like a bit uh, overall scope of what the company is, what they do, and sort of what their main focus is. Uh, <laughs> Airbnb is probably one of the cleanest S1s that I've, I've seen. I haven't seen a whole lot of them, but I mean, they break it down. Uh, very first subject thing uh, was COVID in terms of how it impacted their business and everything. Uh, so it, in terms of the risk factors for Airbnb, if you guys are interested as well in uh, maybe buying some of the initial shares when it does become public, uh, it, their concern was that they might not actually ever be profitable. Uh, they do have to invest a lot of money in terms of the host. I, I, it seems like Airbnb is also buying some of the properties that they're renting out. Uh, they do have to figure out how uh, with events now that they're doing that as well. Um, and there's... It, the market is getting saturated now. I mean, in all honesty, with Amazon also kind of getting a little bit into this game, not necessarily for renting out uh, people's homes, but in terms of experiences as well. I mean, a bunch of virtual other companies. I, I've, there's one major one that it's escaping my mind right now, but there's a there's a big major one that's meant to be a hybrid between live and uh, virtual events, um, and that could be a direct competitor to Airbnb. Um, I mean, you don't, and for them, I mean, not necessarily have to worry about the actual renting home uh, portion of it. Um, Airbnb did make it a priority that the hosts are sort of their main, um, their, their main focus. It's not really the guests because it's true. Their entire business thrives in terms of how many hosts they have and kind of what they, uh, what goes around it. So, uh, I'm bullish on it for the fact that I've used it. It's a great experience. Um, I, but also at the same time, it's very concerning that, you know, right off the bat in the S1 paperwork, it does kind of state we've been losing money since 2007 and there is a, pro there is a, a probability that we will not be profitable, um, especially for a while. Uh, probably they do have a huge deficit. They do say that they have some money in their books um, in terms of cash flow that they do plan on reinvesting, but you know, a lot of companies are trying to follow that trend of, of, of Amazon where they weren't profitable for a couple of years. And now, I mean, look at Amazon, it, it definitely paid off, uh, but not exactly sure, you know, just because someone did it doesn't mean that it's going to work out for everyone else. Uh, so we'll see how it goes with Airbnb. Um, not kind of still related uh, directly to, to housing and now a bigger scope. Uh, for the market, uh, home sales surge for the fifth straight month. I mean, if you guys are in the market for buying a home uh, right now, I would, I would honestly suggest not to do it. Um, I, I, I think that interest rates are very low, and that's probably why people are, you know, interested in buying homes. You are spending a lot more time at home. You're probably working from home now, so you know your your home is everything. Uh, but the uh, prices have increased substantially to the point where I don't see it really being worth it. I mean, now the medium income as of the medium household uh, pr ticket price as of last month is $313,000, which is really, really, I, I think it's a ridiculous amount in all honesty. Uh, but then again, I mean, median isn't always necessarily the best way. Uh, there's always those outer spectrums um, that can shift it one way or another. But that's up 15% from last year. 
Um, so very interested to see if this kind of keeps going. Um, not exactly sure. In one of my podcasts, I did touch upon a whole lot of mortgages being deferred. So who knows exactly how this is working? I know banks have tightened up in terms of what what they're lending, how they're lending, and everything like that. Uh, just for that credit risk. So very interested to see how this keeps going with the boom in housing. I'm sure no bank wants to stop. I mean, mortgages is probably one of the bigger portfolios for a lot of banks, um, whether either keeping it in their books or selling them. Um, so like I said, very interested to see how this goes. Uh, and then kind of continuing with uh, macro aspects for the economy. Uh, unemployment, uh, sadly, was kind of doing well for a while, but now it's back to being really crappy if we're being upfront a bit uh, about it. It rose now back up to 742,000 unemployed people um, as, as of October 20.3 million people are receiving unemployment benefits. And uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast with the Treasury and the Fed and that budding head, all of that could end as of December 26. Uh, this, this, this is directly correlated to those acts that were put in place, I believe, back in March or April. Um, and uh, what it would really affect is people will stop receiving unemployment, uh, really for, for that, that additional amount. Um, and then it also stops uh, states. So if you guys do live in Illinois, it's pretty concerning because if you guys listen to my podcast about the fair tax, we are pretty crappy at balancing our books. Um, states do have to balance their books. Uh, states play a role in terms of how much money you get on unemployment if you do receive anything like that. Uh, so just going out on a limb here, most likely Illinois does not have enough money. An act that is cor directly correlated to this is to help out states, even if they run out of funding for an additional 13 weeks. So if the treasurer is um, successful in stopping these acts, that means that most likely Illinois could stop. Uh, some, I don't know exactly if they will stop unemployment, doubt that. Uh, but probably that additional amount of money that is being tacked on still uh, for unemployment could potentially stop or we could see a huge decrease in the amount of people who are unemployed, uh, which will just make the economy even worse than it already kind of is. Um, looking at, you know, across the pond at a different side of the world. Now, uh, China has started to sell uh, their debt for negative interest rate. Uh, why is this a big deal? What is negative interest rate? What does that mean? Uh, so basically what it means is for a country to sell their debt, they sell bonds. Um, and the reason why it's actually a very hot commodity, I would say that people are really looking into, it's because China is the only uh, global economy that is expected to grow as of quarter four. Uh, they they were sort of the epicenter first for COVID, but then through their lockdowns and, uh, you know, how strict they were, they were able to boom. Q3 was amazing for them. Um, I mean, not in terms of like blowing it out of the water, but they were positive. They were doing well. Um, they were trending upwards, unlike us uh, here in the United States. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, China sold $18.9 billion worth of bonds. Uh, the majority of it was bought out by European investors, kind of for about 85, 85% of it. Um, and the reason why you want to buy, um, or the, all right, well, I'll break it up into two things. One, the reason why a country wants to sell bonds uh, is to have money inflow, you know, have money coming in. Um, 
empty. The second reason, and now the reason why they would do it as negative is to force people to spend money. Um, I touched upon this as well at a, on, in a podcast a couple of weeks ago in terms of uh, being a big concerning uh, concern for a lot of banks when the stimulus check was going out is that a lot of people would probably just stash it in their bank and not spending. That doesn't necessarily help the economy because it doesn't put it into into the flow of things. You know, you're not maybe buying directly something from a small business, which helps them either pay their employees or pay themselves, you know, et cetera, that, that, that entire cycle. So uh, the the reason why probably China d- did it is because they realized that their GDP actually grew in quarter three. Most likely uh, people are d- spending money, but not necessarily at the rate that they want to. Um, so they, they, they started selling their bonds. Uh, they created to in negative interest rate. So the, what that would mean, let's say if, it, if that started here in the U.S., if the U.S., if the Federal Reserve for some reason dropped interest rates once again, which is most likely unlikely, they're already pretty close to zero. I doubt that the U.S. will do it. Um, but if they did and they went negative, that means banks will charge us to keep money in our savings account instead of spending it. Um, <laughs> that sounds pretty ridiculous, but it's a way to force people to either take out loans or spend money and have that influx of cash into the economy being pumped in. Um, and that's exactly why China did it. Uh, the reason why Europe uh, is probably one of the bigger investors in terms of these bonds is because they have even more negative or they <laughs> they they are charging people even more money to keep money in their banks. So at most financial institutions probably well this doesn't make sense for me to have a huge cash reserve and just be spend and be paying for it so might as well go out and buy it somewhere else um and and make some money out out of it as well uh so it's better it's basically better than free money to have uh negative interest rates so that helps out um and then I think that's about it. Uh, This one was pretty much a a, a short episode. Uh, It was a little bit over the place. I'm sorry. Uh, It's kind of weird to come back into it after having a week off. Uh, But this one was definitely way more of macroeconomics in terms of what's going on. Uh, Maybe not necessarily will affect your everyday life, but it's just stuff that I find interesting and, you know, some fun facts and stuff like that. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a good day.